Hey friends, we are back again for another episode of Blooming in Process, guys. I'm so excited. If you're joining us on our podcast or on YouTube, welcome. We are back to talk to, as I told you in all of the other episodes, we're highlighting some amazing women this season. And I have a very special guest here today. She is a friend. She's a beautiful soul. She has amazing things that God is using her to do in the earth. And I am so honored because y'all will get a little glimpse of our event uh, next uh, happening in like, what, two days? Was it Thursday, Friday? Two yep. days. If you listen to this on Thursday or Friday of September and October 1st, then you're in for a treat because you are getting a glimpse. If you're listening to this later, we had an event. Okay. <laughs> and it's awesome. So uh, check it out at bloomingprocess.com. Be in the room. We only have eight seats left. I think we're down to seven seats, actually. Um, so you guys, you guys check it out. We're going to have a great time of activation community. We're all about community manifestation and activation. It's something powerful God wants to do. I'm going to step out of the way and let God move and he going to speak. So on this podcast, you, this is one of our speakers for our event, and I just, I'm just excited. Welcome, Melody. Thank you, girl. It is such an honor to be here. I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart, Bridget. I'm so proud of you, and I'm so honored to be here. Thank like you. you don't even know. You're so sweet, y'all. She's like the sweetest person. You know those people that you were like clone, 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 like that's one, that's, that's one. The world would be such a better place if I can like hit copy like 10 times at least. Gosh. I, I don't think the world can handle more than one me. <laughs> She's like, I, She's like, I know my off. husband, my husband definitely could not. <laughs> I can see Edgar like one melody, one melody. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is, oh my girl, same thing for me. My husband be like, do not copy you. Like, <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. Tell us who you are at your core. Yes, I love that question. Okay, so um, my name is Melanie. Like Bridget said, I have three beautiful children here on earth and three beautiful children in heaven that I cannot wait to meet someday. And I've got a tall, handsome Dutch man that I happen to be married to. And I, I like him kind of a lot. And, um, I think one of the things that makes me, me at my core is I am a woman who is filled with hope. I have so much hope in Jesus, so much hope in the cross, so much hope in that empty grave, so much hope in the kingdom of heaven that is coming. I have walked through a ton of trauma and heartbreak and sorrow in my life. I know what it feels like to be hopeless. I know what it feels like to try to take my own life. I know what it feels like to... Um, feel covered in shame and riddled with guilt and absolutely no vision for the future whatsoever. And I'm on the other side and there's been lots of sides. There's been lots of seasons of that actually. And I, I I'm here now and my heart has never been filled with more hope, never been filled with more vision for what God is doing on the earth right now. And I could just ball, just telling you what an honor it is to be part of the kingdom, to be part of this family. And I'm excited. Like, I, I am just so excited. And I truly believe that the best is yet to come. I 
just got the goosebumps, like the Holy Spirit just like, ooh, just, just kind of tickled me or something. Like you were speaking, I was just like, man, we're just at the first question. I just feel the, the Holy Spirit. I just want to acknowledge him and just say, wow, Melanie, thank you for sharing that. So what has been your greatest life lesson that you have learned? Well, I think, um, I think I would speak to really two things. I, we have gone through a lot of trauma in our marriage and we have both really hurt each other. We have both really broken each other's hearts and we have made a lot of huge mistakes and we have fallen flat on our face. So if there's anyone stone to throw, it is not me. I don't have a single one to throw. I know what that feels like, but I also know how, um, just the process of healing and restoration and redemption and to have a marriage that we literally burned to the ground. And then we saw God just rebuild it from the ground up and we laid a new foundation and we put new pillars and we put new, you know, floor and new walls and new roof. And, and we started over and we have been married for over 13 years and every one of those years is a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And I'm, I'm just so thankful. And so I think that the pain and the trauma of that shaped her and it shaped our perspective and it shaped the hope and the, the faith that we have for the future. And I mean, I'm just here to say, if God can heal my heart, God can heal anyone's heart. And, um, along those same lines, we went through years of infertility and miscarriages, multiple miscarriages. You know, as I said, in the beginning, we have three children in heaven and, um, fertility treatments, couple, you know, some fertility treatments and those didn't result in pregnancy and just years of just this long suffering and this, this deep, deep disappointment that had begun to settle in my heart towards the Lord. Cause I just really thought, you know, I mean, when you're talking about marriage issues for the way my brain worked was like, well, that, you know, that was my husband's fault or that was my fault. That was very clearly, we were the offenders. We did these things, you know, but when it comes to like fertility and babies or some, you know, that was where I was like, okay, God, this is personal. Like you're the only one who can answer this prayer. You're the only one who can pour out life why aren't you? This makes no sense. And at the time I was working in human trafficking kind of a realm. And so I was spending a lot of time with um, young victims of human trafficking and a lot of girls in detention centers in downtown Dallas. And almost every one of them was a mom already. And they had had multiple children. And we're talking about 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds who are unwed and did not want to be mothers. And I'm over here, married, desperately crying out to God for a baby. Baby. And I'm like, Lord, I, it just seems like you cross the wires somewhere. Like, why are they getting what I'm praying for? And it just doesn't add up. And I, over these years, even though I have known the Lord and loved him my whole life, I really developed this disappointment in God. He just really wasn't trustworthy. And he really wasn't a safe place for me anymore because I didn't understand him. So I mean, there's so much to be said in all of that, but accepting the mystery and choosing to trust him and believe what he says, mm -hmm. that he is good and he withholds no good things from those who seek him and just believing what he says, 
and lots of counseling. I'm a huge fan of counseling, huge, huge, huge fan. Um, we're, we're now years and years removed from that. And it's just forever shaped me, you know? Oh, Oh, you said so many good things. Mm, I just want to sit in that for a minute. My goodness, that, that journey, that journey, the, the, the weight of that journey and what it did for you and transformation. I, I, only imagine how powerful that is now for you to look back on and to see God's faithfulness, to see him even in the, the midst of that discouragement. So that actually leads me to my next question. How does a person rise from the pit of discouragement? I know you're going to speak something about this on Saturday, but what can you share with us today or those that are listening? Some people may not be it there. Um, what can you share with us about rising from the pit discouragement. Yeah, that's such a good question too. I mean, we'll go a little deeper on Saturday, but I think one of the things that is so important is to acknowledge the fact that we're actually in a pit, Mm -hmm. right? Like to acknowledge the struggle, to be honest and to be real. That was a huge starting point for me, Bridget, because I felt like I, I had somewhere along the lines bought into the lie that as believers and as leaders and as high capacity leaders, we are supposed to have it all together. You know, we're the ones that have the answers for everybody else. We're the ones people come to who have the questions and have the struggles. And cause we lead groups and we lead to this and we lead to that. And for me to be honest with the fact that this was a tremendous struggle. I mean, I was serving in churches and in our church in a high level, I'm like doing this and that. And I'm on the inside. My heart is aching with this deep disappointment towards God, but I knew how to put on that smile. And, and I, and there was a genuine joy in serving the Lord. And of course, so much of that was real, but so much of it was also me just trying to cover up this pain. And I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So just being honest and acknowledging the the struggles that we have. And maybe for you, it is also a a disappointment in the Lord. For those of you who are listening, maybe you feel just disappointed, like God didn't show up for you in the way you hoped he would, or he didn't, you know, he called you out to step out on a limb and you didn't feel like he caught you, or you've been praying and waiting for something and it just hasn't happened yet. Or you asked for healing and instead that person died or, you know, whatever it is, maybe for you, you're also struggling with disappointment, but you could also be struggling with very different things too. Whatever your struggle is, it's just about being real and being honest. And I I had to continually remind myself, make that shift back towards Jesus. Cause when we get hurt and offended or upset or whatever it is, we, we shift away and we, we want to look to other things, to other people, to whatever it is to kind of fill that pain. But I think just like that old hymn, turn your eyes on Jesus and just look full in his face and all the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Like if we can just keep bringing our pain to him, keep bringing our struggle, being honest with our disappointment and beat on our father's chest, knowing that he's not going to get mad at you. He's not going to get offended at you. He's not angry with you. Jesus took all that on the cross. We need to get our theology straight. He's not going to feel disappointed in you if you're struggling. He just wants us to come to him. And I think about like a little girl, you know, we have a four-year-old girl and 
And she was running around somewhere. And even if she was running around a place where I told her not to go, or maybe I told her to stop running and she was still running when she falls down and she scrapes her knee and she's bleeding. I'm going to run to her. He's the father that comes running to us with a robe and a ring. He comes running to us and he, he's going to pick her up and he's going to kiss her and he's going to bandage her. And he's full of compassion. And later he'll teach her about, Hey, remember when I said, don't do that. It's because I didn't want you to feel that pain, but he's the father that comes running with open arms. So having our theology straight about who God is and what kind of a father he is, and then just being real, bringing it to him. I think that is the start of climbing out of your pit. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wish I had you like when I was like 20. I feel like I went, actually like last year. And then <laughs> like, you know, those moments where you feel like you're like right in the pit because these words are so encouraging to anybody that you know experience and I think that we all go through levels different levels but in moments of discouragement or feeling disappointed or feeling like we're in a pit of some type like I can't get out of it it's like it happens right and God is oh so gracious and he doesn't like rush us out or he's not that you know dad like you talked about knowing who your father is and he's not the abusive dad that we may have grown up with he's not the authoritarian father that we only have experienced in this earthly body he's a like you said he's gracious and he runs and coming in contact and being like reintroduced to who he truly is right is <laughs> Oh man, I love that. I love your story, Melanie. So many things like you have, you're so, you're, I, I sense like this depth in you that's so deep, that like is full of a well of water of knowledge and wisdom of God. Like, I'm just trying to like, I wish we had more times. <laughs> so how, okay. how has God transformed your thinking? And like, let's just talk about the past five years. I know you have like a story, a long story that God can, we can glean from, but let's just talk about the last five years or even the last year. Um, how has God transformed your thinking in, in, in your life? I think one, um, one of the things I'll, so I'll just speak to the last year. I think I have still struggled with so much shame as a woman, as a daughter, as a wife, as a mom, shame has been a huge part of my life and I didn't even know it. And I'm reading a book right now, um, breaking free from body shame. Mm -hmm. And it is like rocking my world and setting me free on like a whole other level. And so whether it was shame, because I, nobody said this to me, my parents did not say this to me, but I was kind of raised in the mentality of my body is the cause of lust and stumbling, you know, or something like that. Or my, um, my sin is the cause of my discomfort or my, I, I had so much shame, whether it was about choices or my identity or what I did or didn't do, or what I said, or shame had become such a part of my life. And so the last uh, really two and a half years, I'd say I have been on an all out war against shame. Mm-hmm. I don't want shame in my life. I don't want a drop of shame touching me. Mm-hmm. And 
Yes. And it's been, it's been all over me for so many reasons. So, um, God is really healing me and setting me free. And I'm a hundred percent on the journey and I will be, I mean, I'm never going to arrive anywhere. Right. So I'm still on this journey and I'm going to just keep growing in this, but this is me being super vulnerable. This is my, like one of my big things. I am after that enemy, like that enemy came into my camp and made his tent right next to me and has gotten way too comfortable. And I'm done with that. I am done with that. I hear that girl. We all here to fight in her. Like, listen, she is coming for this devil. I love it. So tell us, everybody has a different concept of shame, right? So shame means something to somebody. What, what is your definition of shame? What is, what is your concept or what you have come to know about shame? Man, that's a good question. I have read a lot from Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's a great resource. I don't really think she's a believer, or I, I don't, but she's got some really great information still that the Holy spirit can totally use. Oh, and yeah. so she's, she's given me a lot of lingo and a lot of understanding, but I think for me, I guess when I just talk about shame, it feels like this deep sense of unworthiness, mm. just a deep sense of unworthiness. And yeah, to me that that's when I say shame, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. So how have you, what is your, your daily process of, cause I, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like when we're like fighting this demon and like trying to, cause I, I have that a couple areas in my life like that too. And shame has definitely been one of them guilt. Just like a lot of these things that like your past just kind of like hanging out and you're like, I rebuke you devil, you know, <laughs> one of the things that I have found that has helped me has been reigniting not only the my uh, passion for prayer, but the fire in my prayers. So, you know, I used to pray and I pray every day, but I feel like I was just like almost weeping my sorrows and giving them to God. And that's totally fine. And then there's something, there's a shift that happened at some point, which I hear that, that fight where you, you start to say, you know what, this devil get out, and, you know, and there's something that rises. So my prayers went from, you know, just a weeping to a fighting in the spirit. Like I'm on a war in the spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to God and I'm going to declare his word in prayer back to God because he even submits to his own word. Right. And so, um, what, what is your daily journey of overcoming like these strongholds and these things? I can hear it in your voice. I can hear that you have, you're like a warrior in the spirit. What does that look like for you? And to give somebody an example of what, you know, you could do to help uh, overcome some of these strongholds. That's so practical. I love that. I think um, a huge part of this is knowing our identity right? Like we have to know the authority and the power that we actually have. This is not a theological exercise. This is extremely practical. It's extremely hands-on. We have to know the authority that we have and we have to know who we are. And if we know him and we know his identity and we know our father, like we talked about, we need to have a right view of our father. Then we have a right view of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think whenever we, I, I, I picked up this phrase somewhere along the way, Think about what you're thinking about. And that has resonated with me so much because I have this tape player that plays in my mind 
And it's like this hamster wheel of these things, these thoughts, these patterns, those ruts that our brains get stuck into, like Caroline Leaf talks about all the time. Just, we just get so used to this familiar train of thinking. And so a couple of years ago, I, I got vigorous about slowing down my mind and thinking about what I'm thinking about. And I realized how many word curses I would speak over myself, over my family, over my calling, over my identity, over whatever. I realized how many negative thoughts I believe. I realized how many lies I was speaking about myself mm-hmm. and believing about myself. So I just, I pay attention to what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. And I just put a spoke in the wheel. The minute I catch myself thinking along a certain lines, I mean, and it could literally be like, I'm washing dishes and I'm, you know, got toddlers all over. I have three young children and, and I'm just like finding myself, you know, I'm just kind of getting that grumble. And I'm like, Oh, hold up. No, in Jesus name. Thank you for these children. Thank you for these dishes. This is, a, you know, whatever it is, just like stop that train of thought. And I think that's a really important thing. And I think taking time also what I do practically, I mean, I, I mean, I literally like, if I ever get a chance to send my husband out the door with all the children and I'm home by myself, I stay home with the kids. So this is like a very rare and glorious occasion for me. I do love them, but I'm not going to lie. It's good. I am like, I'm cranking that music up and I am screaming and warring and worshiping and parading around my home, like a crazy person at the top of my lungs. I mean, and I will literally lose my voice if I get a chance to do that. And it's, it's power. Yes. I love that. You guys have to know that these are the practical things. Every it's not it's not as complicated as we make it to be. I think sometimes we can make like um, the whole process of, of owning our power and authority in God so like theologically uh, complicated that people are just like, what's the formula? And I'm, it's simple. It's simple. It's like, like you said, like laying out before the Lord, going for God, casting down every thought and imagination. That's what scripture came to me when you said, oh, you catch, you catch those thoughts. I cast down every thought and imagination that tries to exalt itself against the word of God, against the knowledge of God. And that is, that's knowing who we are in him, right? Yes. I love that. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. It's so simple. It's not, it's not, it's actually in the simple, consistent minutes of God every day, right? It's in the simple, it's not in the complicated because anybody could do it. Anybody can say, like the devil don't want you to know your authority. Like you were talking about early. He doesn't want you to know how powerful you are that when you rise up and you start to what they call a worship war, not worship, but worship. Worship. Mm-hmm. Because worship is war, right? Worship is worship. It's it's uh warfare. When we when we realize that, then when we stop, everything has to stop. Yeah. And I find myself, I was thinking about this on the way out. I don't know if it was home yet, going home yesterday or coming here to our office yes today. I think it was both times actually. But I kept on thinking, I have to unlearn so many things. I have to unlearn so many things that that are that are uh, unkingdom or not or uh, non kingdom principles. Yes. Because we we were it's almost like we were taught 
opposite kingdom, then you come to know God and you come to know the, the truth of God. And it's like, no, these are not these wipe away, all, wipe away all that. Yeah. <laughs> Walking yeah. by faith. I mean, like not having a plan, like being okay with a little bit of chaos, you know, cause it's, Sometimes it's chaotic walking by faith. It's like, oh, I thought I had to have it, the plan. I had to count up the opportunity cost. I had to, you know, have it all together. I couldn't lose it. I couldn't like, I can't like, ah. And it's like, no, God wants you for who you are. Yes, yes. Not who you can be, you know? Right, yes. Being real. And it's an upside down kingdom, right? It is just, it's like the two things would be one the other way. And, you know, yeah, it's so good. It's so oh good. My goodness. So, okay. So tell us about, I know you're a worship leader. So tell us more about the role that worship plays in the life of the believer and what role it has played in your life and how somebody that is out there, you know, we all know worship, but what, how do you worship, you take worship to the next level in our lives instead of it being a song or instead of it being, you know, a moment, how does it, how does it affect you? How does people really embrace this idea of worship? I was about to say this on your last question, and this is actually the perfect answer for this question. Make your minutes count. I'm a woman who has like hours and hours of free time every day or every week or whatever. And I would venture to guess those of you who are listening, you're the same way. I know for sure, Bridget, you're the same way. I mean, if we get five minutes of free time, we're really thankful. Yep. <laughs> and I, it's just, it just is the way it is. And I, I live very missionally and I live very intentionally. So I fill my life with things that matter, but I don't leave a lot of time to waste. And I do have rest time, downtime, I'm not saying that, but, um, Make your minutes count when you're in the car and you've got a 10 minute drive to go. Don't just flip on the radio or, you know, just casually like, like ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what, what do you have for me right now? Throw on the song that he puts on your heart and go for it. Like just enter in, you can enter into his gates with Thanksgiving right there in the middle of a toddler meltdown happening on the back row. Like it's just real life. Like we can just enter in and just go. So make your minutes count. You may only have 10 minutes. I'm not the kind of person that wakes up and has hours and hours of quiet time in the morning. I'm working on getting back into that. But just even if I only have 10 minutes, just getting outside, my favorite thing is to go outside, put my toes in the grass, in the earth, watch the sun come up and read one chapter. And that just changes everything. It transformed everything. And it's worship to the Lord to just go there to just enter in. There's no reason I have to hang out in the outer courts of his presence. I can go right into the Holy of Holies. And even if I only have five minutes, I can go right there. I can look in his eyes. I can love him. I can experience his love for me. And, and I could just go there before I even get to Kroger, you know? Yep. <laughs> exactly. You can have it right. I, I, I tell you, that's my time when I'm my kids are at school and I'm headed to go pick them up or I'm headed to the grocery store. It's like crank up the music. And I know the people right next to me be looking like she looks like she's like, I don't know what's going on in there. Like, yeah, I know. crazy. Yes. I know. We got to let go of the fear of man. You have got to let go of your fear of man. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking, I don't even care no more. Cause I'm just like, Oh, well, you know, I, I got to get it when I get it. Right. 
Gotta get it when I can get it. So I love that you said that. So I know our time is coming to a close and we want to hear y'all. This is just a little tip of the iceberg about what this powerhouse is going to share with us. Um, and if you, if you want to know more, like Melanie, tell us about some res some resources that people can use to grow closer to God and also how they can stay connected to you and learn more about you and all that you're doing for his kingdom. Well, right now I'm working on some other things, but at the moment I'm on Instagram. That is my place, my number one place to just connect with people. And it is my great, great, great joy to connect with people. I love that. I'm one of those who like, can't wait to respond to DMS. I just love connecting with people. So, um, Melanie Karstenberg, it's my full name. That that's my handle. No dots or dashes or ats or anything. So it's just at Melanie Karstenberg, come connect with me on Instagram. I would love that. And, um, I just want to leave one quick word, just a word yeah. that I felt like the Holy spirit gave me for, especially for the women coming on Saturday or for those who are thinking about coming, but I was just reading in Mark 14. So you go read it for yourself. I want to take the time to do it. Mark 14, 12 through 17, those verses. And it's, um, that when Jesus was having his disciples prepare for the Passover and Jesus says this phrase, and I read from the passion translation, mm -hmm. he says, do you have my room ready? Do you have my room ready? So he's telling his disciples, go and find a man who's carrying a water jug and ask him, do you have my room ready? Mm -hmm. And I felt like we are invited to get caught up in this great story that God is writing. And he is asking us to make room, to prepare, to be ready for him. And there's so much intention. And I felt like in that we're invited to trust what he speaks to us. Like, like these disciples had to just receive prophetically that Jesus was like, Hey, go to this, you know, go into town, go find this random man carrying this water jug and ask him this very specific sentence. Mm -hmm. And he didn't repeat himself. And they just had to trust. Yeah. That this is what God's asking. Okay. We just, we have to obey. Mm -hmm. So we just had to know that our part is not to understand our part is to obey. The mm -hmm. second thing was we're invited to humble ourselves and become servants. And this man who's carrying this water jug, what we need to remember is carrying water jugs was for women not for men. It was a very belittling, demeaning task for a man to have to carry a water jug. And so, but he was being a servant and he was serving in a, in a station that was beneath him, but he humbled himself and he was carrying it. So they would know he was marked by servanthood. And the third thing was they're invited to leave the space open and free from lesser purposes, keep our space, keep our hearts, keep our homes open to what the Holy spirit has and free from lesser purposes. Cause if you think about it, Jerusalem, the Passover, there was a quarter of a million people coming into town to celebrate the Passover. And the fact that there'd be a big, nice, beautiful, open upper room with a table set and prepared. And they like had that reserved for, they didn't know why they didn't know why they were setting a table. They didn't know that Jesus was coming. So I just feel like it's such a reminder for us to know that if we will leave space for him and humble ourselves and trust what he says, he will come and have communion mm. with us. He himself will come and have communion with us. So that's what I'm anticipating for Saturday. And I can't wait. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> that's my heart. The Lord is my heart, y'all. And when she talks about like just resting and like communing with him, there is nobody greater that you can want to commune with. Like you don't need a business card or try to network your way up to Jesus. 
You don't need to like know anybody big name to network, to, to talk to Jesus. You don't even, all you need to literally experience the God of the universe created heaven and earth. It's like she said, commune to open your heart to him. Oh, and he's available. He's like, his schedule's not overbooked. <laughs> his schedule is not overbooked. He's sitting there waiting, actually, for a lot of us. So I love that you said that. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do for you guys, I'm going to put her Instagram uh, name and uh, link in the description for podcasts and in the description for our YouTube. So you guys can go directly over to at Melanie Carsonberg. Um, and connect with her, learn more about her and what she's doing. You're coming to our middle Saturday. She's going to share. I, I just know God is going to move powerfully through her. And I am excited to meet all of you that will be there. And yeah, so um, connect with us at womaninprocess.com. And we'll, we'll see you guys next week for our finale of this season is going to happen next week since our, our our kickoff will be over the finale will be next week and we are we're doing this y'all we're doing this thank you melanie for coming oh it's my joy thanks bridget for having me have a great day everybody